She moved her skin, and the suit began their chemical conversation, exchanging hormone, blood, temperature data. A quick, a quick read off the screen of the landing, her body was stable. The frost slid off her in sheets as the suit injected time-release thyroid stimulators <clears throat> through her skin to kick up her body temperature. She was in the Himalayas, making her way down the western side of Everest from Kalapatar through the rocky cut carved out by the Kumbu Glacier. She stayed that night in the ice hall, setting up camp among the vertical flutes which rose like frigid, pale blue stalagmites from the Kumbu. A few shots of expansion foam between the flutes made a cozy ice cave, and just in time. The wind was picking up. Between the ice and the blowing mist, she'd be invisible to any surveillance cams or spy sets overhead. Tucked warm into a sleeping bag of honeycomb thermalon, Anna felt right at home. She dreamed of flying, of coming down in a long, looping descent from the sky into a city. Random streets from different cities combined into one Uber city. New York, Washington, Beijing, Sao Paulo, Tokyo, it was her recurring nightmare, all that concrete and steel. She lived in Montana, on the edge of an old-growth forest. Wolves came to her door, and she fed them by hand. They knew she wasn't one of them, but she wasn't quite human, either. That didn't matter in the wilderness. In the city, it did. Anna had dropped onto Everest in a drone after being ejected in a low-altitude stealth skimmer. The drone had no engine, but a single powerful propeller powered by a spring-wound memory metal mechanism. Gave her not much more maneuverability than a chicken in a tornado. <coughs> it worked. It was a rush all the way down. It took all of Anna's training and discipline not to whoop the whole ride onto the ice. The drone was a graphite skeleton, more Archaeopteryx than Boeing. The body was wrapped in bulletproof nylon so thin that when Anna pressed her face against it, she could see through. Extruded from the biohack sacks of a thousand golden ore spiders, the nylon was as light as air and stronger than steel. It was sublime. As a kid, Anna had been a solo ice climber and a glider pilot, loving anything that took her up high or got her moving fast. Anna's eyes snapped open. She checked the little screen on her wrist. She'd been asleep for a couple of hours. The wind had stopped outside. From her pack, she pulled a handful of ant bots and tossed them out onto the ice. They swarmed away from her in all directions. Anna closed her eyes and looked. Her family and what few friends she had made over the years always obsessed about the danger of her desires. They never came close to understanding. There was no danger. It was just the next handhold. And where there was no danger, there was no fear, just exhilaration. Her family and friends would just shake their heads, feet locked firmly and sensibly to the earth. Anna's fiber suit was electrochemically wired into her central nervous system. Video signals from the ants, each an autonomous microcam on energetic little legs, gave her a good view of the surrounding landscape, from the visual range, from the human visual range up through the infrared. It was at the end of the storm season the valley was empty. Anna went outside to have a real look. The Himalayan sky glittered with a million stars, and Milky Way smeared through the middle. Anna closed her eyes and swallowed her vision, that's always how it felt, into her body. In the right state, Anna could tap into the optical sensors in the, of the fabric in her suit. It was like being one big panoramic eye. It always took some getting used to, seeing 360 degrees. 
The first time she tried to walk that way, she'd thrown up, but she got good at it quickly, and the Langley spy boys loved her for it. That's why they sent her on assignments like this. Human backups still beat the best AI. And it was one of the few who could not only handle herself anywhere, but lived for it. She had a visual on the valley, and it told the system to overlay the landscape on a contour grid, then code it with contrasting colors for elevation. She had a really good view then. But that was just for GPS reference. When Anna wanted, was up, and when she scanned, panned her panoramic eye into the sky, she felt like she was falling into the stars. Not yet, she thought. Not yet. She went out a microwave dish, a compact and powerful little device, about the size of a teacup. There was more power and satellite data packed into that little concave slab of hardware, hardwired ceramic than in most countries. Anna pointed as a designated point in the sky and clicked the dish on. Heaven lit up like a Disneyland aurora. Technicolor lightning spread across the horizon as every object above her, natural and man-made, suddenly had a color-coded ID tag and a little line tracking its progress across the night sky. There was so much out there, and most of it was junk, Anna thought. Parts from trashed space stations, burned out commsats that didn't have a courtesy to fall quickly into a fatal orbit. <laughs> Tons of wreckage from the pointless US-China kill sat battles, kind of glorified robot wars and geosync wars. <laughs> All that garbage up there, and here I am. A few shitty meters up that list. Looked to Anna as if she could head back up the main climbing route, grab onto one of those cross grid points and start climbing. Maybe hitch a ride on the dead carcass of an old Russian spy sap and never come back. Sky surf into a black hole. One of the specks in the sky winked at her, a red dot in a golden circle. And it kicked into work mode. She double-checked the satellite's position and speed off the dish. It was her target, swinging by in orbit at exactly the designated time. Pulling two small brushwood cases from her pack, Anna ran her ring finger lightly down the seam of the front of her environment suit. The artificial skin peeled back from her chest, sealing itself, increasing her internal body temperature to compensate for the exposed skin. Anna, <clears throat> Anna ran her middle finger down her stern. A slit opened in her chest, and a tongue that slid open with her finger, probing for the internal ports. When she found them, she pulled a line from the dish antenna and jacked in. Then she pulled a preloaded software stick from one of the aluminum cases and loaded the program into her system. When that was done, Anna took a stick from the second case, her personal case, and loaded that too. Then she waited. When Anna was a girl, a few of the old-fashioned wooden roller coasters were still working in dilapidated music parks around Texas and Oklahoma. She loved the click-click-clack of the roller coaster as the car rose to that first big drop. The best of this moment was always like her, going higher, waiting for the drop. It was all about the drop. The dish and the satellite sink in, and Anna was mentally blasted from the glacier, up through a sea of orbital data. It took a minute for her senses to catch up with her. Locking in on the correct satellite, she noted that the coding was Indian, but it was overlaid with something else probably from whatever program hijacked the thing and was using it for and didn't know what anyone would be doing with Shanghai and the spy set. The boys in line had never told her things like that. They just wanted her to make contact, download as much data as she could and bring the thing down so no one could ever use it or know that it had been there. The first part of the assignment was the usual dull, wham-bam, thank-you-man data extraction. It was the last part that Anna looked for. 
I injected a worm into the satellite's navigation system, then gave the bird an order to change position. The confused satellite, its navigation getting dumber by the second, did not know how to respond. It began to drop from orbit fast. Anna then injected her personal software into the system, waking the satellite up again and hooking herself into the Langley Boys tracking system. She reached out with her senses and wrapped herself in data. The satellite was picking up vibrations as it fell from orbit. When it touched the outer atmosphere, its skin began to heat up. Blick, blick, back went the roller coaster. The satellite was tumbling, and Anna was tumbling along with it, her mouth agape, her rapid breath freezing in the air in front of her blind eyes. Her vision was overhead, looking down at the Earth's surface and up at her satellite body falling through space. She watched herself from a hundred tracking positions simultaneously. The data from the tracking stations of other satellite was translated by her software into a 3D contour grid in her head. It was the best porn in the world. She was the satellite. She was surfing the sky. Her skin was on fire. And she was flying. <coughs> Excuse me. Click, click, and the drop. Her senses were overwhelmed by the heat, the vibrations, the alarms of sky traffic systems all over the world. Click, click, right over the top. Her satellite senses were off the chart. The satellite, her body, was shredding as she cut through the atmosphere, faster than a bullet, shaking, coming apart. And it screamed once, and an echoed across the valley. Later, gathering up her equipment, Anna changed into ordinary trekking gear. She'd sneak into one of the little towns at the base of the mountain and blend in with the other trekkers and climbers. She wondered how far her screen had been heard. She made a mental note to bring her kickboxing mouthpiece next time. With all Anna's training and discipline, her vices sometimes got the better of her. Not that it was her fault. It was the way the Langley boys wired her up. They knew she was a speed junkie. How she was not going to take... <clears throat> excuse me. How, how was she not going to take advantage of the biggest adrenaline rush of all? How many times has she gone down blazing satellites, crashing generators, <coughs> spy drones? Every one was a little deaf and perfect. And I wondered sometimes if she was the real experiment. Maybe all these spy missions and secret sabotage jobs are really just excuses to let her indulge in her taste for sensations lived through machines. Maybe she was the first of a new kind of human, one who truly embraced the organic and the inorganic, a silicon more like a silicon lilith, she liked to think. <laughs> Anna hoisted her pack onto her back and started down into the mountain, down toward a town her wrist map marked as Lula. Behind her, the expansion foam cave was already beginning to flake apart. By nightfall, the winds would carry off the last scraps and leave no trace that she'd been there. As she walked, her suit checked her blood for signs of altitude sickness and lowered her thyroid activity so she wouldn't overheat. It was hard, Anna thought living in machines and flesh at the same time. The only thing worse would be having to choose one or the other. Mm.